Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we started recording episodes virtually instead of being in the same room together. This created technical issues for us for many weeks. Our sound issues get better beginning with the pros and cons episode. In the meantime, we appreciate your patience with the sound issues that are present in this episode. Dialectical Behavior Therapy was created in the 1980s by Marsha Linehan in Seattle, Washington. Today, DBT is taught all over the world. We're two therapists who believe everyone can benefit from DBT skills. I'm Kate. I'm Michelle. And And this this is is DBT and Me. Hi, guys. We're glad you're here with us. Did you hear Kate? I hope you heard Kate. Um, Everyone can hear me, right? I know. I hope so. Um, We mentioned this last episode, but um, Kate is here with me via Zoom, basically, is how we're doing this episode the same way that we did last week's. What did you say? We've gone digital, man. We've gone totally digital. We don't need any of this boring in-person stuff. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I really miss the in-person stuff. But, you know, as we mentioned last episode, this is what we've got to do for the time being because of sheltering in place and reducing the spread of COVID-19 in the world. So I have Kate via Zoom, like I said. Um, And that's how we're going to be doing this episode today, just like last time. Um, so yeah, what we're getting into with today's episode is another DBT acronym, and this acronym is ABC. <laughs> it's it's not an actual word like DBT tries so often to achieve. It's just ABC. And I'm going to briefly talk about what they each stand for, but then obviously we're going to be getting more in depth on each one as we go through the episode. But the A stands for accumulating positive emotions. The B stands for build mastery. And the C stands for cope ahead of time. So these are all three very distinct things that are each, I would argue, pretty difficult and challenging on their own to take on. Like, they're all really big. And DBT... They're big sort of life changes in some sort. Yeah, yeah, they really are. And DBT mashes them all together into this one acronym, <laughs> which I think can be a, li- a little misleading, especially because it's ABC. We're like, oh, that's easy. No, these are all pretty, pretty big things. And the way that Kay and I think about this in terms of like, so what's the purpose of this ABC skill? If we look at it as Why a whole. Together? Yes, exactly. Why are each of these things that could really, we think, stand on their own? as being three very different skills. Why do they put them in an acronym together? What's the reason for that? And basically the main thing that we think of for why that is, is because if we think about our emotional reserves as like a gas tank, um, there are going to be things that come along in life that throw us a curveball. They catch us off guard that we're not expecting. I mean, hello, COVID-19, as one example. Um, There's just going to be these things that happen sometimes that are outside of our control, and they can take a big emotional toll 
on us. They can really run us down. They can really take our energy, take our resources away. We can take a pretty big hit in terms of our well-being when something major happens in life. And so it can drain the gas tank, if you think of it like that. And basically what these three things do as a collective when we're practicing them is they help keep our gas tank full. They can re-energize us if we're doing them on a regular basis. They're going to keep our gas tank full enough so that when those big things happen in life that can be really challenging to cope with come along, our gas tank will still take a hit, but it might not take as big of a hit because maybe it may not put us in the negative yeah it won't put us in the negative you know maybe it's one of those things where like i don't know if you're doing these things regularly maybe your gas tank hovers around like 85 or 90 percent full great so then a big thing comes along you may drop down to like 30 percent but that's a whole lot better than if let's say you were at like 50 percent before the bad thing came and then it takes you down to like 10%. So the higher your gas tank is emotionally to begin with, so to speak, the better you're going to be able to weather these storms that come along. And these are all things that when taken together can help you weather the storms that come along in life. I feel like I'm getting really cheesy all of a sudden. Um, metaphors are us. <laughs> I love metaphors. It's how I get through life, talking in metaphors. Oh, I know, me too. <laughs> Hopefully it's making sense to all of you listening out there. Um, but yeah, so we're going to break down. I mean, it's ABC. We're going to, of course, go with the A first. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to turn that over to you, Kate, to get us started with what are some things we can do for accumulating positive emotions? Well, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's a similar kind of idea to your, your fuel tank, I guess. But another analogy I use is like the idea of a scale. Um, and... I think we all know by now, life, without any intervention from us, will do a fine job of putting difficult, unpleasant, shitty things on one side of the scale, right? We don't, we don't have to help it. That's just, just going to happen, right? That's, that's, that's a given. Bad stuff happens, right? That's, that's a, that's a, that's just true. Um, so, what can we do to try and keep those scales balanced, right? Um, and I think that that's, that's the, I don't know, the, the vision that I use for thinking of accumulating positive emotions. We're going to accumulate, you know, quote-unquote negative emotions, I hate that word, um, you know, without any interference, without yeah. any effort. Bad things um, are going to happen. Yeah, going to happen. <laughs> so, how do we help balance that out? So... One of the things I think about is both consciously and intentionally engaging in pleasant experiences, positive events, stuff we enjoy, um, but also tuning in to the pleasant experiences that are already a part of our day-to-day -day life. Um, so uh, Michelle's going to talk about sort of bigger things and longer-term things in a few minutes, but um, I really like to point out that in every day, there, there are tiny joys, right? There are small things to bring us pleasure, to make us happy, to make us smile, um, that are available all over the place, right? Um, some of these we can just consciously choose. Do you know you like reading? Make some bloody time to read in your day, right? <laughs> like, do that intentionally, right? Do you enjoy listening to music? Listen to music, right? Like, 
you you already know some things that help put a smile on your face, help you feel energized, help you, you know, bring you pleasure, you know, mental, emotional, or physical pleasure. Um, so do the things, right? Don't don't have those be the lowest priority. So often we are so focused on the things we have to do, and we lump all these positive things into stuff we want to do. I would really like people to recategorize. <laughs> I think engaging in things that bring us joy needs to go on the need-to-do list. <laughs> like, you matter, and you're going to be able to tackle all those other need-to-dos with so much more, I don't know, equilibrium and or vigor if you're intentionally doing things that make you happy. Um, so that's one thing. Make time, even if it's a little bit of time. Take five minutes. Do a thing that makes you happy, right? So that's kind of one thing that I think about. Um, the other idea is pay attention, right? Um, that first, I don't know, sip of tea or coffee in the morning and close your eyes and savor it, right? Pay attention, be present, you know, go back, I don't even know how many episodes now, right? Be mindful of the pleasures that are already there, right? If you step outside and it's a beautiful spring day and there's the warmth of the sun on your face and the smell of the spring flowers like I don't know not well I was gonna say not to be cliche but really intentionally cliche stop and smell the fucking roses right like <laughs> pay attention to the joys that are already there right the hug from your child or spouse or cuddles from your pet or you know actually enjoy that funny meme that you see like actually take a second to laugh right there are more positive things going on in your day then you notice, I can pretty much guarantee. Um, so both consciously and intentionally engage in, in small things that can bring you happiness um, and pay attention to the things that are already there. Um, and I think that that's, both of those are things that a lot of us aren't doing enough of. Uh, and no, I fall into the trap of not engaging in my pleasant things because I'm like, well, but I have to pay the bills and I have to clean the house and I have to do yard work and I have to, right? <laughs> and then I get to the end of the day, I'm like, well, balls. <laughs> I didn't do anything, um, you know, that was intentionally positive. But even on those days, right, there's a pleasure in seeing your, uh, you know, your kitchen swept. There's a sense of accomplishment in having paid your bills, right? Maybe you've got to enjoy the sunshine in your yard work, right? So, I don't know. Does that make sense, Michelle, that balance of both intentionally doing things and paying attention to the shit what's already there? I think it totally makes sense. And I fall into that all the time of my to-do list comes first. And then if I'm lucky, I have time at the end of the day to do what I want to do. Um, I've, throughout my life, been a big person who prioritizes work over play. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a big thing I've talked about over the course of my own therapy is, you know, why that is and how can I change that and what that's going to look like for me to do differently. And as you were talking about all this, I just thought of some recent examples for me, um, like I was taking out, um, it was, it was over a week ago now. Um, but I was, which is funny cause I mentioned this briefly last episode and now I'm mentioning it again as part of my nighttime routine. I scoop my cat's litter box and <laughs> I was taking out my cat's poop and putting it in our big garbage bin outside. And I looked up and the moon, it was one of the nights where the moon was really full it was beautiful, like the clouds are passing in front of it in a really cool way, and I just paused. I literally probably only paused for like three seconds. Like it mm -hmm. was, and a lot of what I think we're talking about goes back to the stuff we've talked about with mindfulness. 
Um, because if I hadn't been being mindful in that moment, I wouldn't have noticed, which yep. would be my typical thing <laughs> is to just not notice. Um, but I looked up and I noticed it and I was like, wow, the moon looks really cool. And then I, you know, I just went back inside and I kept going about my day. But I think it is a lot of just the noticing of little things. I was sitting at the kitchen table eating dinner the other night and I glanced over and there was a hummingbird that flew by. I was like, oh, a hummingbird. You know, it's just little things. And so I think it can be kind of noticing those things around us that can, you know, boost us up a little bit. Or like you're talking about, it's making the time too for the things that we already know we enjoy and prioritizing those things. I think this can look a lot of different ways uh, of how I, I to accumulate I, positive I, I things. I like go to the things that make me happy because that's uh -huh. the that I have most accessible. <laughs> like, but I don't, I don't know. Some people find joy in tackling uh, Sudoku. God, I don't understand. I that. love Sudoku! Fuck numbers! God! I right. love I Sudoku! I guess well, I think that's a perfect example of something that would never, ever, ever, yep. ever, ever make my list. Uh, might be on Michelle's, right? So, uh, you know, we we pull out examples from you know Michelle and Mike's life because that's what we have immediate access to. But um, I really still think you know, you know what makes you happy, right? You know what you enjoy. Um, so do it. Yep. And to make an argument there, because I mean, for the most part, I really agree with you. And I can't tell you how many times I have, when I try to have this conversation with clients of like, what's something small you can add into your day that would make you feel good. They literally look at me and I think they're being pretty genuine, but I think they're like, I literally don't know. Um, and I think especially if you grew up in a household where Maybe there wasn't the time or the resources for you to just kind of play, <laughs> um, to just be a kid or to just be a teenager, like whatever it was. If you were really brought up in a household where you kind of had to work to survive and you didn't get like this whole lot of free time to like mm -hmm. actually find out what you like to do, this can be baffling for some people. But I think it really comes down to, again, noticing um, how you're experiencing the things in your day. Um, noticing if there are some things that you like better than other things, <laughs> you know, whether it's certain yeah. chores that maybe are easier for you than other things. Or like, you know, I think it's about starting really small and trying to have some trial and error with this to experiment and to play around and to see. Maybe you do decide to try Sudoku and maybe you realize screw this. Like, I do not like this. I am like Kate. Sudoku's not my thing. Maybe that's what you realize. Okay, great. That just gave you some information there of like, this isn't how I want to, you know, this isn't going to be a pleasant event for me. This isn't going to be something I enjoy. So you may have to play around um, and be open to finding some things that clearly don't work in order to find the things that you actually will enjoy doing so you know yeah i mean i do agree with you for the most part kate that i think everybody if they do really look has at least one or two things probably already that like they do know they like to do it they just don't make the time for it but there may be some people out there who as we're talking about like find the things you like they really may feel lost hearing that as well that so. i mean i yeah. Often with like knowing what I want, especially in the context of other people. Mm -hmm. Like so, if it's my desires and other people's desires, I have a very hard time knowing what mine are. Yeah, um, I'm like, why well, want to do what you want to do, right? Because that has a lot to do with uh, you know my childhood and stuff like that. 
Um, so that doesn't make that does make sense. I wasn't really thinking about it from that context, but um, a lot of the times I think you you hit it spot on with the idea of experimentation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, right now's now's your chance. <laughs> yeah, now really is your chance. The podcast told me to try and find things I like. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Definitely. And you know, even though I know I'm about to put like a big big task in front of myself with our Facebook group, so DBT has a list of over oh, two hundred. Yeah. <laughs> pleasant events over 200 like a ton and this is a thing that I mean I think we both like giving to clients whether it's through our individual work with clients or in group I love when people do this um, of just go through the list and see what stands out to you some things you'll look at on that list you'll be like I'll, I hate that idea and some you'll look and be like oh that really excites me um, but there's over Something 200 well I think it's been <laughs> updated we did for a while <laughs> use a really like outdated list that was like what are some of these things on this list we don't even really know um, the list is a little better now than it used to be in the okay. first CBT the old one, the old one was horrible it was really bad sorry sorry Marshall Linehan um, <laughs> but again she updated it for then yeah it worked for then yeah, exactly. Um, and so what I may do in the Facebook group, um, even though it'll take me some time, is I may type out the list um, and put it in there. Or I'll try to find the handouts and just maybe take some pictures. I'll see what I decide to do. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it could be really helpful, especially if you're one of those people that you know, isn't quite sure. Or maybe you liked something years and years and years ago, and then you try it now, and you're like, well, this isn't the same um, and you're looking to reboot or get some new ideas for what things you could do that you would enjoy um, I'll figure out some way somehow to get that list up in the Facebook group because I yeah. I love the list and I love that it's so long and that there's so many options on it so yeah cool awesome um, so yeah like Kate was talking about it's really important to find things that you can do ideally every day whether it's intentional activities where you put everything else on pause and you devote time to that activity like reading or whether it's as you're going through your day, you're practicing some mindfulness and you just notice some smaller things that bring you a sense of happiness or fulfillment or whatever it is. So that's one way to look at the A for how to start accumulating positive emotions. And those are kind of more some short-term ideas. And then DBT also talks about doing this A of accumulating positive emotions from a wider lens um, a bigger picture perspective of looking at what your values are and how you can start living out your values a little bit more. This is something I talk about actually, I don't know about you Kate, um, you can share what you think about this after I explain it, but this is something I talk about with clients a lot because sometimes I feel like clients have the short term stuff down, right? Mm -hmm. They like know what movies they like and they know what forms of like body movement they enjoy, like whatever. They have the short term stuff, yeah. you know, pretty much down to a science of like, I have lots of things I enjoy, but their long term goals is where they're struggling because maybe they're in a job they don't like or they, um, you know, live in a place they don't like or whatever it is. They have these big things in their life that aren't working for them. And so I see that. And then sometimes I see the reverse, actually, where I'll see people who, big picture, their life is going pretty well. Like they're in a, again, a career they really like. They have a family that they're pretty happy with, all of that. But again, if you ask them, well, what do you do for you, for fun? <laughs> they, that's where they struggle. So 
there's kind of two sides of this coin when it comes to accumulating positive emotions and it's not uncommon I think to struggle with one or the other side of that that's how I explain to my clients I don't know if that comes up in your work with people too but well it does yeah I think a lot about I don't know I also think people farm out the idea of what their life here's my favorite word again should uh -huh. look like um whether that be what they should enjoy on the small term like I was talking about or what they should build their you know big picture life to look like like you're about to and so I like to kind of redirect people a lot to you know uh, come back to you, right? And so I actually really like the, I don't know, the handout that we're working on that talks about building a life worth living. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, like, you're the only one who gets to decide that. And that's that's a big task, right? That we're not, we're not trying to downplay how hard that is. I also want to say you're not stuck with whatever you first think of. <laughs> like, yeah. You get to change your mind based on your experiences or your own growth or change over time. Um, but I do think that, you know, there's, there's this idea of looking at your own, as you're going to talk about values, um, and kind of building from there into an extrapolated larger kind of life trajectory or plan that meshes with your desires and your goals and your values. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if that's not what, I don't know, the, you know, the, what is it, the, oh, shoot, what's the phrase where you're keeping up with your neighbor? What is that thing? with the joneses is that the joneses? yeah yeah keeping yeah, up with the joneses yeah <laughs> keeping up with your neighbor i'm like what is she talking about yes maybe maybe you don't want that <laughs> that's okay yeah um, but do do some self-exploration find out what you do want yeah that's i think so important what you just mentioned of a lot of people do build their life around trying to make their lives look like other people's lives and that's yep. a recipe for unhappiness if i ever heard it i mean it may work for a little while but long term it may leave you with a lot of regrets so it's if yeah feeling really dissatisfied i agree so what i'm about to talk about is basically how to get out of that rut if there are if you're looking ahead to the big picture of your life and if you think about where your life may be in a year five years ten years Important reminder, nobody knows what the future looks like. But people talk about that a lot, like having, quote unquote, a five-year plan. And if you are like, I have no idea what I even want my life to look like in five years, this is for you. So that you can maybe start making some changes now that will make your life feel more worthwhile over the long term. So DBT walks us through seven steps to do this. Again, none of these things are simple or easy to do, <laughs> but DBT tries to break it down so that you can track with it a little bit. So step number one, which I would argue is the hardest, it says, avoid avoiding. Start now to do what is needed to build the life you want. <laughs> That's tough because maybe you've been at that dead end job for 15 years and you're terrified to think about getting a new job maybe you've been in that unhappy relationship for a long time and Inertia think real. yeah maybe you've lived in the same place for years and you don't want to move right and yet you're not happy with where you're at so it is really hard to face and actually decide to make a change and kate and i i feel like we're broken records with saying this but we say it a lot pick one Start with one. <laughs> if there's lots of areas of your life that are not working, pick one area to start with rather than trying to change everything at once. That 
that can be way too much. So that's the first step. Avoid avoiding is what it says. The second step is to identify values that are important to you. Um, I'm also going to post a values list. DBT talks about quite a few values. Um, my reaction when I look at the list that DBT has is that, wow, those all sound great. But there really are some that stand out more than others. Um, so like I said, I'll post it. I'm not going to necessarily go over all of them right now. But for example, one value that maybe doesn't stand out as much to me is be powerful and able to influence others. I don't really care so much about that. Um, but another value that does ring a bell for me that feels really important is to recognize the universal good of all things. I really like that. So um, uh, quite a few of them might stand out to you. There may be some that you're like, meh, I don't really like that. But try to pick, I would say maybe your top three-ish of like these are the things that if I was really leading the life that I want for myself, I would be living out these three things. These are the my top three. So I'll post that list for you guys to look at. And so pick the values that are important for you. And then it says identify one value to work on right now. Um, so what's something that maybe out of those three values is either your top one or out of the three, the one that you feel like you can at least get the ball rolling in some way yeah, to... Yeah, yeah, the one that's most doable that you can start tackling now. Then this step is really important. It says identify a few goals related to this value. Start identifying actions that you can do that would be part of this value. That's really important. Um, and again, with this DBT list, the way they have it, they break down each of the values into a couple ideas of specific actions that you can start doing related to that value. But of course, you can come up with your own. You don't have to just follow what they're recommending, but coming up with something that you can do. So, for example, if you well, pick lots of other value worksheets online. Oh, my gosh. DBT related. So many so yeah. many values so assessments. Yeah, out and find a list that says for you because there's lots. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Values can look so many different ways and be about so many different things. So I really like that you mentioned that of just like, go find a values worksheet somewhere basically that will work for you and get you thinking. Um, the example that DBT gives is if somebody picked the value of being productive, a goal that might go along with that is get a job where I can do something useful or find a volunteer job that will use the skills I already have. So you want to get really specific with how you can start living out that value. Then once you have goals related to that value, then you pick one of those goals. So they're basically making it more and more specific. More, more specific. Yeah, like narrowing it down as we, as we go along. So pick one of those action steps. And then there may be action steps within that. So it says identify small action steps toward your goal. So if you've decided that your value is to be productive, your goal is to get a job where you can do something useful, then you break that down even further to, okay, so what do I need to do to get that job? And they give some examples here, right? Submit applications, write a resume, visit places, or start looking online. So you're going to create even more concrete, specific, doable steps to reach that goal. And then 
you get to pick one of those action steps with where Do to start. It. Yeah, yep. So basically you start with identifying values, then you identify goals related to those values, then you break down those goals into smaller steps smaller to get there. Yep, and then you pick one action step to begin with. Um, so it really does, it takes this larger picture view of values and it really does try to bring it back to the now. Ideally, if you can, if you do this work, if you really think about this, if you really write some of this down, if you were able to find an action step that you could take currently, that'd be amazing. And we understand the world is very different with, with COVID right now. So again, it might be kind of harder to pick. It might be, this is the thing I'm going to do the day I can. Exactly, right? The day that I can, you know, get out of my house again, that's what I'm going to do. Or something. A lot of things would come down to doing research, I feel like, yeah. the A component yes. of it, and at least information is still available. That's right. Yeah, the internet is our friend, and it can help us with taking a lot of action steps because probably one of those action steps, regardless of what your goal is, regardless of what your value is, one of the action steps will probably be to do research of some kind. Yep. And that's where the internet comes in. <laughs> um, so that's what DBT is recommending um, it, of how to look at this big picture in your life so that you're accumulating positive emotions. We tend to feel better when we are living a life that overall makes us happier so that even on really hard days we have this big picture that grounds us and can make us feel good so so yeah the a of abc can be looked at short term or long term either way mm -hmm. and ideally both so and even the long term funnels down to uh, right now so, yeah what can you do today <laughs> yeah in its own sneaky way that is what it does <laughs> yep uh so moving on to b mm -hmm. yeah moving on to b okay so B stands for build mastery. Um, and one of the top things on the, the handout that talks about this is trying to build a sense of accomplishment. And I really like that, that kind of idea. Building mastery can sound kind of, I don't know, highfalutin. Uh, right? like, like, oh, I'm going to become a master at something. Like, well, you know, most of us aren't a technical master at much of anything. I remember there's like a certain like 10,000. 10,000, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Right? Like, no. So don't, don't be necessarily, I mean, if you want to, more power to you. But, you know, it is, I think, really about that sense of accomplishment. Um, we, we like feeling accomplished, right? It's, it's a, it's a good feeling to be like, fuck yeah, I did that. Right? <laughs> like, look, I've gotten better at this thing or just the joy of engaging in something at which you are already good right just uh, utilizing skills that you have can help remind you of your own competence can help remind you of your own value can help remind you of your worth right like these are things at which i am you know already accomplished to some extent um i think uh, michelle earlier you were talking about people not knowing what they like um, I think you and I have both witnessed how few people know what, you know, at what they're, you know, what they're good at doing, uh, which is, uh, interesting. And I like to poke people about it. Um, it makes people uncomfortable and that makes me my little compassionate sadist therapist heart happy. Um, because I guarantee, I absolutely guarantee everyone listening to this is good at something. 
I don't know what it is, but I know you're good at it. <laughs> like, whatever it is. I think people sometimes think too big on this idea. Right? Yeah. They like, what, what, I don't know, world-changing skills do I have? Or what do I do that is so much better than how other people do it or something, right? So like, scale it down a bit. <laughs> right? One of my favorite examples for myself is I make like fucking perfect grilled cheese sandwiches. I make amazingly good grilled cheese sandwiches. Um, and I'm very proud of that. Am I changing the world with that? No. Nope. Not a bit. Uh, in fact, most of the people I know will never have a grilled cheese sandwich made by me, even. I'm I was going to say, sandwich. next time, can we agree to this right now in real time over the podcast with everyone listening? Next time I come to your house for us to actually record in the same room together, will you please make me a grilled cheese sandwich? I will. I will Yay! Make you a grilled okay, cheese okay, sandwich. folks. Okay. She Imagine said she would. No matter how thick the cheese is and not burnt on the outside. Okay. okay. And then I will talk about how good it is on the podcast after I eat All right, it. That's your half of the deal. You have to confirm my skill. Yes, I will give a review of how good the grilled cheese is. I'm excited now. <laughs> and that's, that's the idea, right? I, you are good at doing something, right? I don't know what it is. This can be domestic skills. This can be like outdoor activity skills. This can be artistic skills. This can be I don't know what, like technical or, you know, like a uh, like building like things yeah building skills mm -hmm. i'm think like stuff having to do with technology or like electric oh stuff. yeah yeah um you could be really good at playing certain games whether those be like you know board games or role-playing games or video games or computer games right uh maybe you are an insanely fast reader and you're just really good at you know plowing through books uh i don't know what the thing is but you have it <laughs> right and so I would challenge you as you're listening to this or, you know, after the, after the episode, think about this, right? Take some time. And even if it makes you uncomfortable, because also I think people are afraid to admit stuff they think they're good at doing because it feels too much like bragging and pride and we, will, we have a lot of baggage around those ideas, <laughs> right? Even if it's just to yourself, have a little bragging moment, have a little pride and notice what what you're good at doing um and then you know like all of these three skills today uh spend time doing it right this is this is going to help fill your tank right that fuck yeah i did that pardon me i feel like i'm swearing a lot more today um just to put that out there maybe it's because i'm home and it's because you're <laughs> excited i think it's like the enthusiastic <laughs> swearing it's not the angry swearing at all it's like oh. i'm so fucking excited about this it's that kind of swearing you're all about it. I feel like I've done it a lot today. The, uh, it's okay. <laughs> Keep it up. Uh, right, so do, do these things because that, like, yeah, I did that. That feeling is so good for us. It's so nourishing, right? And we, we have a world that constantly both challenges and contradicts our own sense of confidence and competence. Like there is so much happening to wear us down. We need to spend time and energy building ourselves back up again. So this, I think, is one really excellent way to help build yourself up. Um, and it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be world-changing. It doesn't have to be life-altering. It doesn't have to be something even most people would, I don't know, know about. Mm -hmm. It just matters that you feel that, hell yeah, about it. That's yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, I agree. And um, you mentioned a little bit ago, and I think it's worth really emphasizing, is that it's not about being the best at something. Because I catch myself falling into that a lot in my own thinking where I'll think about, oh, yeah, well, I'm good at this. But then I'll think about, oh, but there's someone better than me at that. Like, I'll feel really good inside, but then the minute I'm around someone else and we're, like, doing it together and through my own opinion, they do a better job than me, then I somehow in my brain think that, oh, never mind, I'm, I'm not good at that anymore. I think part of that comes from growing up as a ballet dancer. There's a lot of competition in the ballet world. A lot. Um, You know, you're side by side with these people in a studio every day. And you see what other people are good at. And it's really easy to think that because you didn't do like as many turns as the dancer next to you did, that somehow you're not good at turning anymore. When maybe you really are. You just had an off day or whatever. So I think that comparison piece is really important. It doesn't matter if someone else in the world can make an objectively better grilled cheese than Kate. Kate's grilled cheese is probably so pretty awesome, as I'm going to find out at some point in the future. So, like, I think it's really about... You know, and you emphasize this pretty well, Kate, but like that inner knowing within yourself and having that like, hell yeah, like I did that. I feel good about it. And it does not matter what anybody else thinks, whether they think you're good at it or whatever it is just to really have that inner confidence. Like if you're not the Mm -hmm. best, you're not good. And that's a, I think that's a great thing to point out Mm -hmm. Um, because you can, only one person ever gets to be the best, like in any moment at anything on the planet. So chances are, I mean, I, I, I feel pretty damn certain I'm not the best in the world at anything I do. Mm-hmm. I guess being myself, because ha, I am the only one who gets to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm not the best, but it doesn't mean I'm not It doesn't best. matter. Yep. Um, and I think we talked about this before starting, and I almost forgot. Um, depending on who you are, another way of building mastery um, can be focusing more on that building side of it. Um, you can always start at something completely new, which means chances are you're closer to the sucky end of it to start with because, you know, novices are. Um, but there's there's also a, a deep sense of gratification, I think, from improving in a thing. Um, my personal experience with this has mostly come from baking. Three years ago, I had never done anything but back-of-the-bag Toll House cookies. You know, <laughs> that's the only thing I'd ever baked in my whole life. Um, and now I'm making like seven layer entremets with mirror glazes. Uh, if you don't know what any of that means, uh, that's probably because it shows how good of a baker she is. Yes. <laughs> that you could use terms that the lay person isn't going to know. <laughs> exactly. But it's because I've become very passionate about it as a hobby. And so every time I can add a new skill or I accomplish something that's considered objectively difficult in the baking world or things like that, that also gives me that hell yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, but it didn't start at Helia. I made at least one cake that you could pick up out of the tin and hit the counter with, and it didn't break. Like, I don't even know. I don't know the science and alchemy that went into making that particular cake, but it was not just, didn't just taste bad, it was actually physically inedible. It was that solid. So, <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna fuck up and stuff when you start. Um, but when you conquer a thing, when you challenge yourself and, and, you know, meet that challenge, that can be another way of kind of triggering that, that sense of self-gratification and self-accomplishment. So, you know, both take time to do things you're already good at, and if you find it stimulating, if you find it enjoyable, 
tackle something new. Mm -hmm. That is another way of doing it. Yep. And I think without bragging, because like we said, people feel really uncomfortable talking about that, but what just came up for me is I had a, you know, FaceTime call with my friend who's also named Michelle a couple days ago, and she's been planning a trip to Japan that unfortunately has now been postponed. She doesn't know when she's going to be going again. It might be a little bit <laughs> like a couple years now down the line, but um, she's been using, I think it's the Duolingo app to learn Japanese. And she shared that with me. She's like, oh, yeah, and I'm learning Japanese. I was like, tell me some stuff. And she felt super uncomfortable because she's still really new at it. She was like, I don't really know what to say. And I was like, just try it. Like, just tell me a word that you've learned. And then she shared one word with me. And the next thing I knew, she shared like six or seven things that she'd learned with me. And I hope that it made her feel really good of like, look, like you are building mastery i of course i didn't yeah. use that term necessarily but i was like like oh, you're learning like you're figuring yeah. it out um because that's exactly what she's doing and a lot of times again we can feel very insecure as adults when we're back being a beginner with something it feels outside of our comfort zone and yet like find people in your life who are gonna like build you up and support you in this new thing that you're learning whether it's like learning an instrument or a language or how to bake or whatever it is Find supportive people in your life, not people who are going to drag you down and... Ex yeah. what, what did you say, Kate? Sorry. Oh, naysay. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't hang out with the naysayers. Hang out with the people who be like, oh, you did what? That's yes. so cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Find those people in your life for when you're going out on a new venture that's totally unknown. Because we're all going to probably suck at first, but we're all learning and it feels really cool to grow and to figure out something new. And I will say, I know, uh, you know, small portion of the population, but if you don't have any cheerleaders, first of all, I'm sorry. Second of all, I get it. And third of all, be your own, please. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, um, I say we move on to the sea, the cup ahead of time. Um, what, sorry, what was that? I said, go Michelle. Go me. Okay, here I go. Last one. Wrapping it up with the ABCs. Um, admittedly, out of the three, this is Kate and I's least favorite. And I think part of that is because we can't cope ahead sometimes with difficult situations that we encounter. Like I said, hello, COVID. <laughs> Nobody knew that this was going to happen it's not like somebody at the beginning of 2019 said hey early 2020 this big pandemic's gonna hit the world yeah. no you know sometimes things just happen you know i think about when i think i mentioned or earthquakes it. or other like yeah factors. yep there's lots of science out there that can predict some of the time but there's a lot of things that happen in life that we just don't know i think about i might have mentioned it before but when i was in my car accident back in October I think oh. of 2018 it was a while ago now but you know I didn't know that morning when I left the house that I was gonna rear end someone I had no idea like there's lots of things that happen that we don't see coming and there are also sometimes situations in life where not that any of us have a crystal ball or can perfectly predict the future but sometimes we may see some things coming there's like a foreseeable event that might be stressful for us and that's where you can use this cope ahead skill because there may be things like when you have a job interview lined up and you may be stressing 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 about the job interview or 
<laughs> the most common example that I think of with this is <laughs> family stuff. Yep, holidays, reunions, birthdays, yep. whatever. Yep, you have some things maybe on your calendar and you may find yourself really worrying about how is this gonna go? And that's where using this skill can maybe help with calming some of those worries. And I think, again, if we think about that gas tank, we were talking about at the very beginning, worrying drains our gas tank. And hopefully if you can use this skill of cope ahead, it will lead to less worries. Slow it down a little bit so that your gas tank isn't getting drained as rapidly. <laughs> maybe you can put a pause on how quickly your gas tank is going down. So... Basically, the way to break it down is, you know, first you have to know what the situation is, like I just described. Have an idea of what the stressful event is that you're a little bit worried about. Yeah. And I kind of almost think of this like it's, and I swear, I use the term regularly that's not correct. I say guided visualization, but that's not what I mean. Um, oh, what's the term yeah. that I'm thinking of? Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. The, I don't know. the way that I always explain it is like that thing, which is a pretty well-known concept now of like, if you're a basketball player, imagine yourself playing the perfect basketball game. I think um, they're more like race car drivers. They like sit down mm -hmm. in a pretend car and go through the pretend race in their head. It's exactly that, you know, except probably not with race car driving since, you know, we don't, <laughs> most of us don't driver, do that. In which case, Cool. Yeah, that's awesome if you're a race car driver. Um, you already have some good skills in place to do this. Yes, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, that's exactly right, Kate. Like, it is. It's that thing of, like, we imagine ourselves doing the thing, and we imagine ourselves doing it in a way where it goes well. And there's been... Like a skillful manner. Yeah, being very skillful in how you want to imagine this thing going. And there's been tons of research, which is why... It, bugs me that I can't think of the term for it. Um, there's tons of research that this actually works. Race car drivers do better. Athletes have a better game. Whatever it is, this actually can work for improving outcomes, which is, you know, kind of really cool, I think. Um, and bananas. It's wild that <laughs> we can imagine something in our brain and that's such a powerful tool that it can then help it actually go better when the thing happens. So it's not a perfect magical fix, but that's what we're talking about here. Because after you know what the situation is, the next thing that you want to do is to imagine yourself acting skillfully, as DBT puts it, mm -hmm. in the situation. I think this is really key, especially if you're, so like with the race car example, um, you're imagining yourself in that race car doing the thing. Um, and what's going to work out best is if you're not thinking about what the other drivers are doing. Just mm -hmm. think about yourself. And when it comes to family stuff, if that's what you want to use this for, which is where we most commonly recommend it, don't think about, oh, I want my grandma, who never, ever, ever gives me a hug when I walk in the room, I'm going to imagine her giving me a hug. Mm -mm. No. That's probably not how it's going to go down. But what you can do is imagine that when she does not give you that hug, how do you want to be responding differently? Like, imagine the situation as factually as possible, warts and all. <laughs> but imagine yourself handling it differently than maybe you have in the past so that you feel better in the situation. Even if the situation is still kind of shitty, imagine yourself being in the situation in a skillful 
way. And so DBT recommends imagining it really vividly and to rehearse it in your mind. Um, rehearse it regularly. The more you do it, the better. What'd you say? So we're going to get a chance to practice. Yes, this is going to be a little bit of what the closing moment is. Surprise, surprise. Um, but yeah, and it gives a couple different ways of what you can rehearse. So it says rehearse in your mind exactly what you can do to cope effectively. Rehearse your actions, your thoughts, what you say, and how to say it. Rehearse coping effectively with new problems that come up. And rehearse coping effectively with your most feared catastrophe. That one, that last one, um, I really like. Because yeah. if you imagine things going the worst they could possibly go, imagine yourself still being able to come out of that situation feeling okay about how you handled it, even if it went really, really, really horrible. <laughs> um, and then this, this last thing is also really, really important. It says practice relaxation after rehearsing because this can be stressful. Like we said, we're not imagining the situation going with sunshine and rainbows. We're imagining the situation going realistically, which may be really difficult, and you just behaving in a way that you feel good about in that situation that might be chaotic and again, hard to be in. So it may bring up some stress for you doing this. And then it's important that you do something relaxing afterwards, whether that is like some meditation, if that's your jam or, you know, yeah, reading a book, if that's your thing. Listening to music, whatever. Yeah. Anything that's calming. Some of the pleasant events stuff we talked about earlier with the short term yeah. things. Go to one of those activities so that it can help transition you out of doing this because this can, again, this can have big benefits and payoff in the long run. But in the short term, this may feel a little emotionally tiring. This takes some work to sit and imagine this. Um, and it may feel a little unpleasant. So do something after to really take care of yourself is important. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so for homework, Kay and I were thinking about <laughs> what do we want to do for, um, you know, homework this week out of the A, B, and the C, especially given that the world is pretty restricted right now with, with COVID-19. So what, what out of these felt good for us to pick as like, hey, hone in on this one? Because it's a lot of information. Like we said, these are all kind of standalone things already because they're so big. So we thought that the most important one out of these three that we recommend is to do the Build Mastery. That was yep. the one that we liked um, for what we're dealing with currently in the world is because there is so much going on that's outside of our control, that's unpredictable, and that can bring up a lot of anxiety for people. So again, the long-term thinking with um, the accumulating positive emotions like I was talking about, like we said, if there's something you can do now, awesome do it and we also know that that one currently might feel a little overwhelming to start thinking about making big life changes when life has already changed quite a bit over the past yep. <laughs> couple months and or how it's going to return to normal yeah so that one might be one to put on hold but the build mastery see what you can do to start doing something that you can control that you feel good about now that again can make you feel good if you're feeling really down um about all of this i had one of those days yesterday i just felt i just felt down about everything with covid like i got some bad news that something i was really looking forward to is getting canceled and i just felt down 
and yet, you know, I can already see how, like, doing podcasting together, I feel like that's one of my build mastery things, like, <laughs> how doing this together today is already bringing me back up a little bit of, like, oh, I'm doing something that I feel good when I'm doing it, and now I feel a little more centered, a little better about myself, and so that's what we recommend, picking a build mastery thing for you to do. Am I wrong, or did we forget to say something about the email last time? We totally did. Thank you, Kate. Yeah, we did in our sleep episode. We totally forgot that. So, yeah, make sure to email us, dbtandmepodcast at gmail.com. We really want to do another um, Q&A episode in the near future. That's something that we want. Really we want. Like. Yeah, we really like doing those. So um, send us stuff. We need stuff in order to make those episodes happen. So send us questions. Send us comments send us things you're struggling with or successes we'll share all of it so yeah that's true it doesn't just have to be questions or hardships it can also be ways you utilize the skills and positive experiences you had uh using this stuff so we like hearing from you yep yeah definitely so dbt and me podcast at gmail.com thank you for catching that cake because i did totally you forgot to mention it last episode throw something that makes a big platter. good job okay i think we're ready for closing moment time with every time if you're capable and safely able to do so I encourage you to find a comfortable place to sit or lay down and if you're comfortable and able to do so I invite you to close your eyes as always we're going to start by just tuning into our breath Noticing where we feel our breath the most. Noticing the rhythm of our breath, the temperature of the air. No right or wrong way to be breathing. It's just about paying attention, just about tuning in, and just about letting our breath welcome us into our bodies and into the moment. Now I'd like you, please, to bring to mind a situation, something that either happens regularly in your life or a single event that you know is coming up sometime in the future that you feel stressed about. Something where you feel anxious or scared, maybe a situation in which you think you might get really angry or where you're worried you might behave in a way that is unskillful or unpleasant or might embarrass you. Just some situation that could plausibly go down in a difficult manner and or one you think you might not handle as well as you'd like to. So just take a moment and bring that situation to mind. Allow the feelings that you tend to feel in that situation or anticipate feeling in that situation, let those feelings really come to be in your body right now. Make space for them to show up.
And now I'd like you to begin to walk through a daydream, if you will, of that situation. One where you imagine all the other players, all the other actors in this situation behaving your best guess of how you think they're likely to behave. someone is likely to do something that hurts you, or makes you angry, or frustrated, or anxious, allow that to play out in your mind's eye right now. However, as you're imagining that, take the time to imagine yourself behaving skillfully. Imagine yourself handling the situation either better than you have in the past or better than you're afraid you might. This is your imagination and in this daydream you are capable of anything. So really allow yourself to feel filled with that strength. Allow yourself to feel that sense of possibility and of ability to regulate your emotions, to be really intentional with your reactions and your behaviors. Just imagine yourself navigating this difficult situation in a way where when it's done, you feel accomplished, you feel proud, you feel as emotionally stable as you can on the other side of it. Let yourself imagine the coping skills that you'd like to utilize if this situation is really hard. Allow yourself to imagine how your actions might go, what thoughts you might have, what you might say or do, and make those ways of thinking and doing Make them be the way that you've always wanted. Remember, we can't control anyone else as we go into these difficult situations. We can only influence ourselves. So take this time and start that process. Start influencing yourself through imagining yourself. Doing this skillfully, doing this calmly, and doing this with the best ability you have to cope. Understandably, this situation might be something that would play out longer than we have during this closing moment. So, if necessary, I invite you to continue this after we wrap up today. However, if you are feeling ready to exit that daydream right now, I invite you to let it go. Let the images fade, let any other senses, smells, sights, sounds fade away. And take the moment to come back into your breath. Take a moment to ground yourself back into your body into the moment as it is now, not into the imagined future. 
You might also use this time to roll your ankles or wrists, your neck or shoulders, other things to help ground you out of the daydream and back into the now. And also, if that was particularly stressful after this podcast, go and do something nice. Take a few more minutes to breathe, do something calming and relaxing. For now, thank you so much, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. See you next week. To learn more about us and the DBT skills we're teaching each week, join our Facebook group. Simply log in to your Facebook profile and search for DBT and Me Podcast.